Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We meet a lady named Lydia. In verse 14, Paul has come to Philippi. Uh, and he is going, he's looking for a place where religious people hang out. He's not going to the synagogues anymore. And so where is he going to go? Well, he hears this rumor that there's some religious people that are hanging out down by the river. And so he goes to the river in Philippi and he meets some people. And they're there praying and I suppose doing uh, normal, average, everyday things. But they're also there praying and thinking and talking and being with each other. And so he starts talking to them about Jesus. Listen to what happens in verse 14. Acts chapter 16, verse 14. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and our household as well, and she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Here's a lady who was paying extra special close attention, wasn't she? she this, this stuff didn't, it didn't go in one ear and out the other. It didn't roll off her shoulders. She was focused. And what did she take away from what she had learned? That she needed to be making sacrifices. She said, if you've, if you've got, if you've understood at this point that I am faithful to the Lord, then come to my house. Come, come, let me sacrifice for you. Let me show hospitality to you. And in Philippi, this is a dangerous situation to be connected to the way, how the church was known in the first century. Philippian... Uh, people were very against the church, especially the Jewish people. And this is one of the first instances we see of Jewish folks persecuting the church as a whole. You find it with Paul early on in Acts chapter 8, but here you find a whole city full of people, specifically the Jews, who are hurting the church. Lydia says, I'm willing to sacrifice. I've paid close attention. She's leaned in. Right, If you can picture when Paul is standing there beside the river and he's talking to them about Jesus, Lydia's leaning in. She's, she's leaning in on every word that Paul says because those are the words of Christ. And she wants to pay extra close attention when Jesus is speaking. And so the Hebrew writer here says, because you know, because you're now convinced that Jesus is more than an angel, that He is the Creator God, the exact imprint of God's nature. Because you're convinced of that, you better pay special close attention to what you're hearing. Because we don't want to drift away. That word drift is a really interesting word. You might want to underline it as well. He doesn't want to drift away. The idea there is of a boat who is not paying attention, like the, the pilot is not paying attention, and so the boat has drifted down river to a point where it cannot set port, where it cannot come to land. A couple weeks ago, Kelly and I and the kids got an opportunity to go to Niagara Falls. It was awesome. I don't know if you've ever been to the falls or not, but it's amazing. As we were driving several miles away from the falls, we were driving through, and we look across and we see this 
Massive, massive, just very wide river. Turns out it's the Niagara River. I never thought about Niagara Falls being connected to a river before. Duh, it is. Uh, so there's this huge river, and we're sitting there watching it, and it's pretty, fairly calm at that point. You could, you could raft down it. We've done some white water rafting, but this wasn't even white water. You could set a canoe in this thing and be perfectly fine, I would imagine. But if you weren't paying attention, if you were looking at the surroundings or if you were fishing or if you were focused on something else and you missed that last part, that last point at which you could draw your boat onto the shore and you happen to get into the white water that is the Niagara River right before you get to the falls, there would be no turning back. You would be going over the falls and there's nothing you could do about it. That's what the Hebrew writer is trying to get us to see here. He says, some of us have fallen asleep a little bit. We haven't been paying attention. And we're, we're drifting. And he says, you're in a dangerous position. He's, he's pleading with you, pleading with us to wake up, to pay attention to what's going on. I asked Jeff to read the passage from Matthew 20, uh, 23, uh, where Jesus says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, like... Like a, like a mother hen, I would, I would have gathered you under my wings, but you wouldn't have it. That's what the Hebrew writer is trying to get across to us this morning. He's pleading with us. Look and see, there's danger. There's danger coming, and you can avoid it. You should avoid it. But you're not paying attention. And I don't, he doesn't want you to drift away because there's danger down that path. Verse 2, he says, For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable. We need to stop and talk about that probably for a second. Because what message was delivered by angels, right? In Exodus chapter 20, we find the Mosaical law, Moses' law, being delivered by God himself. But in the first century, there's this tradition that the Jewish people have that says that it was mediated by angels. They, they played some part in bringing the law to Moses. Scripture doesn't lay that out for us, but it's what they were thinking in the first century for right or for wrong. We don't know. It doesn't matter. What the Hebrew writer is co-opting this to do is there's a better mediator now. That's what he's trying to get across to you overall. But he's also saying here there was an old law that was the church thought, mediated by angels. He doesn't really speak to the validity of this idea, but he's saying, you assume that this law was mediated, was given to you by angels. And this thing proved to be reliable. What's he mean by that, you think? It proved to be reliable. Look on the rest of this sentence. He starts here in chapter 2, verse 2. He says, For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. You may want to underline those two words, transgression and disobedience. Because those are two interesting thoughts. I kind of delved into that a little bit this week in the bulletin article for you. But I kind of wanted to, to walk you through that idea as well. He's saying... The Mosaical law was reliable so that it punished those who committed sins, but also those who 
didn't do things that the law said to do. We would be more, more familiar with thinking of sins of commission and sins of omission. That's what he's saying. <coughs> Excuse me. That's what he's trying to get across here, I think. The Old Testament law, the Mosaical law, punished those who committed sins of commission, people who did things that they knew were against the law, but it also punished those people who committed sins of omission, things they should have been doing that they didn't do. Let me give you a couple of examples uh, from, the, from the Bulletin article this morning. Um, there are two men named Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10. These two guys are going to commit sins of omission. They offer what's called strange fire to the Lord. We don't know what this fire is, um, and we're not really let in on so much of what was wrong about it unless you go back and you read Leviticus chapter 9. There you find Aaron, who is the high priest. He is Nadab and Abihu's father. He is the one who is allowed to come into God's presence and sacrifice to him, not Nadab and Abihu. And so they were the wrong people, first of all. They also probably brought the wrong type of coals. Up until this point, the altar burnt offering has been um, lit by divine fire. Um, When they started this in Leviticus 9, God sent fire down himself, and he burned up the, the offerings there. It looks like possibly these Nadab and Abihu, uh, sons of, of Aaron, have found coals from somewhere else and they brought these things uh, in a censer and have just become very presumptuous uh, in, in doing this. And so for those and a couple of other reasons, these two men have committed sins of omission. They have not done what was correct in the law. They left some things out. And what did God do? He struck them dead. They were immediately punished for their sin. You fast forward a couple of books over to Joshua, and you'll find a guy named Achan. Jericho has just been destroyed. Before that destruction, God has said, all the things that you find in Jericho are to be destroyed they're all a sacrifice to Yahweh. And so all the things should have been burned, destroyed. But for whatever reason, Achan doesn't do that. In fact, he pulls some things aside and he hides them in his tent. I'm assuming thinking no one would ever know the difference. And so the Israelite army goes to their next battle, the tiny little city of Ai, And they are routed. They're defeated. And so Joshua brings back the the army. What has happened? He inquires of the Lord. And God says, someone has committed a transgression. Someone has done something I told them not to do. And so they finally figure out that it's Achan. Do you know what happens to Achan when he is found to be guilty of this transgression? They put him in a hole and they throw rocks at him until he died. It's called stoning. It's a horrible way to die. Just as sure as 
Achan's punishment happened. And just as sure as Nadab and Abihu's punishment happened, the Hebrew author says our punishment will be even more sure, will be even more certain than theirs if we neglect the salvation that's been given to us. He's not saying it's going to be worse because those people are lost, right? You can't, you can't be worse than lost. <laughs> They're lost. They've been condemned to hell. Our punishment will be just as certain as theirs was if we neglect the salvation that's been given to us. The word of warning that's been given to us from the, Hebrews, from the Hebrews author is very severe, isn't it? It sets you back. And so you know now why he said you need to pay extra special close attention. You can hear the pleading in his voice. Maybe there are tears streaming down his eyes. If I'm right and he preaches this instead of writes it, you can, you can see the pleading of this man. You have Jesus and you're willing to give him away, but what you're actually giving away is your own life, and you don't even understand it. Listen to what he says verse 3. Taking everything you know now about the transgression, the disobedience, and how sure and how certain our uh, punishment will be if we neglect this salvation. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Underline the word neglect. It's an important word because it's probably not what you think. Underline neglect. Sometimes we think that we have to despise Jesus, that we have to rebel against him to lose our salvation, to to be unpleasing to him, to incur punishment. That's not what he's saying. It's not what he's saying. You don't have to be rebellious, although that would certainly fit the bill. You don't have to despise Jesus, although that would certainly fit the bill to lose your salvation, to incur punishment. All you have to do is neglect your salvation. So what's he mean by that, you think? What's it mean to neglect your salvation? These people are treating Jesus as if he is inconsequential. They're not paying attention. They've lost their focus. They're paying attention to something else. They're focusing on something else. They're spending all their time on other things. Does that sound like anybody you know and love? I'm afraid that as we come away from, hopefully, the COVID epidemic and pandemic and all this stuff that we've been dealing with for the last two years, we've focused on the wrong things or we're focusing on the wrong things. It's easy to get your attention dragged away by something so big and so scary and so prevalent. It's like everybody talks about this thing, right? You can't listen to anything without somebody talking about it. It's easy to get your attention dragged away by that. Hebrew writer says, you're making a mistake because you're focusing on something that's not Jesus. 
You're treating him as if he's inconsequential. You're reprioritizing your life to your detriment. There's punishment. There's wrath that's coming if we don't follow. It's a hard word of warning, isn't it? Often, I think we think, I knowingly make decisions to walk away from it. And that's the people, those bad people over there, that they're the ones who he's talking about, who, who are going to be condemned to hell. That's not, what that, that's not what our Hebrew writer says. He's talking to people who are thinking about making compromises so that their persecution, so that their suffering can stop. He says, if you make those compromises, if you put some other things, including your life, before Jesus, you've made a mistake. He is the opposite of inconsequential. He is integral, necessary. Sometimes we treat him as if he's inconsequential, though. Through our lives, by the decisions that we make, by our agendas, by what we focus on, we treat him as if he's inconsequential. And that's exactly what the people that the Hebrew writer is talking to were doing. Later, in Hebrews 10, 25, we're going to find out that they're not meeting with the church. And when they do meet, a great many of them have not come prepared to stir one another up to love and good works. What are those people focused on? What should they be focused on, right? They should be focused on meeting together and when they're here, not just filling a pew, but stirring one another up to love and good works. He's got an incredible message, doesn't he? Hebrews is challenging and, and difficult on occasions and inspiring and encouraging. It's a word of exhortation. He wants to encourage us. That's his agenda. He has a goal. He wants to encourage us. Part of that encouragement is this word of warning. He says, make sure that you're not neglecting your salvation Make sure that God, Jesus, His church, your righteousness, make sure that these things are your number one priority. Because if they're not, you're drifting away. And you might not even know it. And one day, you'll wake up and you'll find yourself having made all these compromises, little compromises that didn't, you didn't notice them when you were doing them because you weren't paying attention. You were drifting, right? Just like if we were on the Niagara River, you're on the wide part, everything's going good. You're just looking up at the sky and, oh, life is good. Beautiful day, wind's blowing, it's nice. And then you find yourself very quickly in white water that you can't handle. And then all of a sudden you're going over the falls. Punishments come. He says, you, you're making these compromises that don't seem like that big a compromise right now. We'll, we'll miss a Sunday. We'll, we'll have this attitude. We'll, we'll prioritize this. We'll do this thing. 
He says, these are small compromises and they may not seem like very much to you now. You're not rebelling against God. You're not cursing His name. You're not hating Him. Certainly, right? He says, those things are necessary for you to neglect your salvation. What's necessary for you to neglect your salvation is you make these small compromises that eventually move you down the line until you're at a point of no return where you can't come back because punishment will have come. The Hebrew writer is pleading with us. Wake up. Pay special, close attention to what he's saying because if people were punished under the Old Testament, under the Mosaical Law, and that happened. We have 39 books where that happened over and over and over and over and over again where people were told what God expected of them, but they didn't give it to Him. And what happened? He punished them every single time. Just as sure as that happened, He says, you're going to endure the same thing. Just as sure a punishment as they were given. If. There's the word we're looking for, right? Because it all seems dark and dreary. But until you get to the if, if you neglect your salvation. Some of us haven't, right? Some of us have been laser focused. That's been one of the good things that's come through this, this, this last two years is some of us have become laser focused on the kingdom. And some people that were out in the world have woken up, spiritually woken up. And now they're paying extra special close attention. We better pay extra special close attention too. Be laser focused on his agenda, on his kingdom, on our righteousness, and on fulfilling his mission in our world. Because if we're not, we will be treating Jesus as if he were inconsequential. And there's punishment for that. He doesn't want anyone any human being, he doesn't want any of us to be condemned to hell. But it will happen if you neglect the salvation you've been given. That place wasn't prepared for us. It was prepared for Satan and his angels. But we will end up there if we're not laser focused on his kingdom. Because so many things tug at us and pull at us, don't they? So many things demand our attention and so many things seem like they're so important right now. Right? The Hebrew writer would say, not right. Those things are not all that important. And he would put your life in that category of things that are not all that important when it's considered with your faith. And so you make sacrifices, whatever those sacrifices are, so that you can stay with Christ. Being laser-focused on him. This morning, if you need to be baptized, if you're looking, if you if God maybe he's woken you up and you're 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 looking for a reason to live, if you're looking for a motivation, something to focus on. If you've come to the realization that God is still holding you accountable for your sins. Baptism is the only way to get those sins off of your record to escape this wrath, this punishment, that the sure punishment that's coming.
Baptism is the only way to escape it. And at that point, he washes away all of your sins and he adds you to the kingdom. You become one of his. Maybe you've already made that step this morning and you've neglected your salvation. It's easy to do, isn't it? Laser, far, laser focus is hard. But maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you've been neglecting your salvation and today's the day where you're ready to be laser focused again, where you're ready to be focused on his kingdom and on his will for your life. If you have any needs this morning, won't you come as we stand and sing? I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the words he Good morning, church family. Hope everybody's doing all right. Uh, Chris, great lesson, brother. Appreciate you. Um, if you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning. Uh, if you can take a moment to fill out a visitor card, it's, it's in front of you in the pew. Please take a moment to fill that out and hand it to one of our members next to you. Um, we'd love to get to know you and um, glad you decided to worship with us this morning. It's funny that Chris brought up the uh, Niagara Falls that uh, I saw today is the 100th anniversary of the first person to go down Niagara Falls in a pickle uh, barrel. Thank you. In a pickle barrel. So that was, that was pretty neat. This little tidbit. I don't know. But uh, uh, attention all ladies. Uh, the ladies Bible class has been moved for Thursday at 10 a.m. If you're wanting to go to that uh, has been moved for Thursday, the 10 a.m., the ladies' Bible class. Um, remember to continue to keep Leah Payne's family in your prayers, the passing of our aunt, Kay Kraft. Um, remember to keep that family in your prayers at this time. Also, updates on our prayer list. 
Uh, it's great to see Tanya here with us this morning. Uh, remember, continue to keep her in your prayers as she recovers. Uh, Tony Blake continues to fight COVID. He uh, still remains at VA Hospital. Eric. Yeah, sorry, Eric. Eric continues to fight COVID. Uh, remember, continue to keep him in your prayers. Also, remember, continue to keep uh, JB and Wanda's uh, son in your prayers, Greg. Uh, he's been upgraded at this time to guarded condition. So remember to keep Greg in your daily prayers at this time. Also, uh, Kelly Williams uh, will have her radiation on Friday. So remember her in her prayers as she goes through her radiation. Also, remember to continue to keep Joe Galloway's uh, niece in your prayers, Myra Hayes Bowling. Uh, she, she has cancer and she's being taken care of uh, through hospice at this time. So remember to continue to keep uh, uh, Joe's niece in your prayers. Um, remember to pray for uh, Peg Pryor's foster brother. Uh, he passed away last week from uh, his house. His uh, Jerry and Vicky Bojus uh, they passed away from a house fire last week. Um, so remember the, uh, the funeral arrangements were last week. So remember to continue to keep that family in your prayers at this time. Also, Heather Pittman has asked uh, prayer requests for her grandmother Charlotte Clay. Uh, Charlotte had um, open heart surgery last week and is having some internal bleeding at this time, and she remains on a ventilator in Cleveland Clinic, so remember to continue to keep her in your prayers. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening. Uh, we'll worship again at 6 o'clock. I hope everybody can make it. Uh, we'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand. We'll sing hymn number 626, The Christians Welcome Home. Sing the first two verses, and then Brother Kevin Harvey will have our prayer. How sweet will be the welcome home when this short life is Would you pray with me, please? 
Heavenly Father, as we come to you once again today, Father, we're truly thankful for everything that you bless us with in this life. Father, we thank you for the church here and everybody that goes here, Father, and all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray that you'll continue to be with all the good things that go on here, Father. Pray that you'll continue to be with the preschool, be with the teachers, and let them know that their work's not in vain. Pray that you continue to be with all the deacons and elders, and pray especially for the new elders, Father, that they may have a long life in your service. Help us to help them in any way that we can. Pray especially for all those that are on the sick list, Father. You know each and every one of them. You know their names and the families, Father. Pray especially for those that are having heart problems or cancer or COVID or all the many other things, Father, that you'll continue to be with them and be with the doctors and help them to get better if it be thy will. Continue to be with all the shut-ins, Father. Let them know that they're still loved and cared for and pray especially for all the older members of this congregation, Father, and Help us to help them in any way that we can. Most of all, Father, we pray for our shortcomings and that you'll help us to be better people and to reach out and make a difference in the world and forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.